0: Um, very excited to welcome everybody to the Eric Lang Show, mostly our guest today, Mr. John O'Hurley. Um, first, we'll describe the location. John, we're in the financial district of Manhattan? In the,
1: in the financial district, yes, I'll tell you. Um, in the middle of construction, actually. Everywhere you look, yeah. you don't have to look too far, and you find uh, Nothing but cranes and high-rises being built, and it's uh, it's pretty amazing down here the way that the infrastructure is turning from uh, kind of urban-chic to, um, uh, to residential. Yeah, everything is moving, growing. People are moving down to the financial district to live, not just to work.
0: Right. Yeah, it's interesting how Manhattan, like, having lived here and coming back, whatever, every few months or every year or something, you sort of, like, every time it's very different, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's get into, uh, you know... You, you've you've done so many things, right? You've got, uh, you know, you're
1: doing a play. You're doing is Chicago I'm on Broadway. Or yeah, on Broadway with uh, with Chicago, which is the longest running uh, American musical in Broadway history. It's been running now for 22 years. I've had it for 12 years, uh, on and off, uh, both on the road. And this is my fifth stint back on Broadway with it. Uh, I love it, and uh, I've done over 2,000 performances of it. So it's Gee, nice I don't know thing. if I've done anything 2,000 times. <laughs> <laughs> Except hit a golf ball, maybe. You know, yeah, yeah. The
0: repetitions are everything, aren't they? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, I've I, obviously a lot of people are going to recognize you, your voice probably, uh, from your, you know, you have this. It, do you get annoyed when people recognize you from the famous
1: line, from the famous uh, character you portrayed no not at all oh no, no, no I, I listen the fact that anybody gives a rat's ass about what I've done at any one point in my life is uh is I, I look at it and go thank you thank you I'm, I'm deeply flattered
0: right so it's Mr. Peterman Elaine's boss mm-hmm. uh, and I mean I guess we can just touch on that briefly I mean you know I, I was born in 81 so I grew up with that show as like uh you know, a go-to for like a, and, and I've actually come to realize recently that comedy is quite therapeutic. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really have that understanding until later in life. I mean, I'm not that old, but, and so what was it like for you? You started out, did you know what was going to happen? Where were you at in the process of the sort of, the, uh, cultural
1: icon that is that show? Well, it kind of caught me by surprise. Uh, I was actually, um doing another, ser- I was busy killing another series at the time uh, <laughs> called A Whole New Ball Game, uh, which was a very fun, one of the funniest shows I've ever done. It just couldn't find a home on ABC. Uh, and so we were canceled on a Thursday morning. They called and said, don't bother coming to work. They pulled the plug on the show, which is what you know any network does. That's quite abrupt. Yeah, I know. It's very abrupt. And... Um, uh, so I went out to dinner with my manager that night, uh, crying in my beer, trying to take the cancellation as personally as I possibly could. <laughs> and uh, lo and behold, Mary David's office called and said we heard you know the cancellation and um, there's this guest star that we're writing in this week and we think John could kind of chew it up and have a lot of fun with it. Uh, and originally I said no. Because I said, I don't, you know, I was still looking at my wounds over the cancellation. And uh, so I said to my manager, tell him, thank you, but I don't want to go guest star on somebody else's series after I had my own series just canceled. So I said, all right. So he never called. He never called. The next morning he called me and said, just get up and go over there and have some fun. Blow it out of your system. And I said, I don't know. That's a good I, manager. Well, yeah, I know. So I walked over, you know, I went over to, the to, and I had, the, they didn't even finish the script. Uh, they had uh, most the most disorganized show on television over at Seinfeld. Really? They, oh, they were just they. They had about half of the script done, um, and um, they, they and the Peterman character was so thinly written, they hadn't even flushed the character out yet. They handed me the catalog and just said, "Read the catalog a little bit to get an idea. We just want him to sound the way the catalog is written." And of course, the the catalog has these pastel drawings and this Hemingway style adventure copy of uh, you know I was uh, climbing K2 in my oxford button down and uh, and I'm
0: and laughing. it was so, so
1: I uh, so I looked at it and it kind of it kind of struck me as a um, a bit of a, a 40s radio drama combined with a bit of a bad charles kerrolt <laughs> and uh, so that really was the kind of the genesis the origin of the character and he just became uh, during and, and, and sure enough, by the end of the episode, she's working for me, and everybody looked at me and they said, "Well, you've got a job." And I said, "Well, that's interesting." <laughs> I said, "I had—I mean, it, as I say, I really backed into it." So, uh, and, long, and lo and behold, over the the next five years, it became—or um, four seasons, I guess. Uh, you know, he—he he just became more and more of a raving lunatic, uh, as kind of a corporate Mister Magoo, if you will. Uh, you know, the surreal Lou Grant. You know. So you had a Mary chance. Tuttlemore.
0: You had a chance to really uh, sink your teeth into it. It sounds like. I mean, it's, especially. Well, it was the- an
1: absurdist show. I mean, you know, that, that which was the beauty of Seinfeld was the fact that the writing could sustain these over the top characters, and he was as over the top as they ever got him. He was a raving lunatic, um, and I and I loved it because it gave me an opportunity to trust my comic imagination—that uh, what I Imagined had value, rather than, uh, you know, looking at, looking at the standard comic script that you'd get in a sitcom. So I had to learn a whole new style of comedy in Seinfeld. And, it was, and, and what I it mean, was,
0: I'm sorry to interrupt, was that because it was new for the generation. Yes, it was. It was. It was a, it was a new it thing. It wasn't
1: another show. No, because the the, the style of American sitcom is that you set the joke up and you deliver it. You set the joke up and you deliver it. There are no jokes in Seinfeld. If you read the script, it's not funny. The show is not funny. The scenes are funny. You play the scene honestly and it gets a laugh. But if there are no jokes in the show, there's no setup to the uh, to the jokes. Whoa! So I it's a, it's, you have to go back and look at yeah. the the way that and it was very it was nerve wracking for me because I said there's you know I'm, I'm I'm trying to find the joke and I just said just and what I realized if I just played the scene honestly it was funny <laughs> and not relying upon the individual lines and trying to set yourself up and deliver a, you know a comic. You know, a comic delivery, and that. so so it's a, it a new style of comedy for me. I'm so excited to watch it again now because it's already something I love. I already look forward to it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, now, I guess, I guess, w- we, at what point do you as because because I know for myself the projects that I've done, they're they're probably a little more personal than an actual actor, right? You know, I go out and do this travel show where we play golf around the world, and I'm mm-hmm. a host. Mm-hmm but i identify myself with that deeply like like i was thinking about how like i was i was looking at you and i was hearing you talk about seinfeld and i was thinking that on some level internally do you identify with mr peterman do you walk oh, absolutely. around i mean
1: he he really is uh, you know he's he's my alter ego <laughs> you know in, in many respects i mean he is i and, and um and i like that i mean i like having that sense of absurdity that kind of but you know i am kind of that you know irish poet on the cliff i mean i have that side to me and um you know, the, the only difference between me and Peterman is that Peterman would jump off the cliff. You know? <laughs> um, uh, and that's the fun of it. I, you know, I, I love the, absurdid, the absurdity of that character. I, and I, I, I get a kick out of him. Uh, and I like to play him. You know, it's like, and I, and I keep him alive in advertising as well. I mean, he's, yeah. a, he's an advertising hero now for many companies. So.
0: Does that. Is there is there any contractual complications there, or do you just sort of keep it loose? No.
1: The the P.S. to the story on Seinfeld is that the year after Seinfeld ended, 1999, the real J. Peterman Company there is a real catalog, um, and um, John Peterman is the real J. Peterman, and he and I over the run of the show became very good friends, uh, only because uh, you know we were joined at the wrist and ankles. <laughs> I had basically stolen his identity. <laughs> and uh, had no plans to give it back and uh, and sure enough his company went through some financial difficulties uh, about a year after Seinfeld ended and um, I ended up buying the J. Peterman company and so he and I own it together as we speak and uh, uh, along with some other investors and uh, ever since then I've been you know I like the role so much I bought the company
0: you literally became
1: I am the yes. as Marshall, as Marshall McLuhan once said, sooner or later the the message and the medium will become indistinguishable, and I'm the living example of that. I um, yeah, I like the role so much I bought the company. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's uh, I, I do my research, but I love that I didn't know that. Yes, it's um, a fun thing.
1: Well, it, it's uh, it, it has you know it's gotten quite a bit of traction in the. Uh, in uh, in in modern media, so it's been yeah. a lot of fun. I and I enjoyed. I mean, I again, and I enjoyed the company. I, I the, the J. Peterman Company is a phenomenal. I mean, they put a very a phenomenal product out. And if you go to j. peterman. com, uh, to be shamelessly self promoting, uh, you'll enjoy what you see. It's a fascinating uh, catalog.
0: Well, like you said, you backed into it, so mm-hmm. it's. Uh, I did. So uh, I know you golf, and we'll get into that. But uh, does Mister Peterman golf?
1: Well. Yes, uh, there have been. Well, there was the famous JFK Golf Club episode where I buy JFK's golf clubs uh, from the actual auction, and um, they ended up to be. Uh, Kramer ended up to, uh, giving him the deep six out the back of a, uh, a, a van full of uh, uh, returnable soda bottles, and uh, they ended up all twisted, and, and of course, I. I think that the, that is because JFK had quite a temper, <laughs> 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 but um, but yes, yes, I, I would say Peterman did. Uh, he was a golfer. He he was uh, playing around with um, Ethel Kennedy. I think that's what he said. Yeah, you know, he said I, I'm playing around with Ethel Kennedy, a woman whose a woman whose triumph in the face of tragedy is uh, preceded only is is. Uh, is Preceded only by her proclivity to procreate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, women like that are great for uh, planet Earth. Um, so, so you grew up in uh, the Northeast. Mm-hmm. You grew up on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get into golf around eleven. Are, are, is that right? Something like that? Uh, but, well, before? I mean,
1: I was playing all my life. I mean, going to the driving range with my dad was something we all did. Uh, but I never had formal lessons. We, belonged to a, we were lucky enough to belong to a country club in West Hartford, Connecticut, where I grew up most of my life, uh, and uh, took uh, formal lessons over there. And golf became kind of my sport. Uh, I played on the golf team in, uh, in uh, high school, all through high school. We moved to Fort Lauderdale, where the golf got even more serious down there. You know, I mean... You know, like, in kids, terms of competition for you? In terms of just the level of playing. I mean, there were kids, you know, there were kids that were shooting in the 60s back then, you know, and, and so, I mean, I had never seen that before, you know. If somebody shot a, in the 70s, that was, you know, I, I thought they walked on water, but uh, it, uh, when uh, when I got to see, uh, you know, some genuine golf or some genuine golf talent down in Fort Lauderdale, because, you know, the weather and the and the ex- access to, to great courses and teaching down there was just so phenomenal that, uh, you know, the Competition was much better.
0: So, um, you know, a lot of people listening to this are um, are not. uh, You know, there's some. some, A lot of people listening to this are new to golf. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, one of the things people ask is like, what should I do? How can I? You know, it sounds like you're a proponent of taking lessons. Can you can you talk about? I don't know how that's.
1: I absolutely do. I mean, anything in. Anything in life worth doing is worth doing correctly, <laughs> and there is, you know, there are certain fundamentals uh, that you have to learn in golf. Uh, I think people who just tip, you know, pick up the club and just start swinging it in a way—I I think they're, they're kind of. Um, um, well, I think they're they're headed down a path of frustration. And people, <laughs> you know, I mean, it just is. It's not a natural movement. It's a it's a, it's a taught movement. Um, so, I think that, you know, the first thing you do is go study the game and learn the game, learn the rules of the game, number one, and then uh, study the fundamentals of the swing. I think it's a, you're really doomed to um, failure if you don't, you know, and it becomes, and then you start to get into these habits that you have to unlearn, uh, which I think was more golfers have, you know, fundamental pro- fundamental problems because they have never learned the fundamentals of the game. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I notice uh, for me in a, in, a, in a swing lesson, it's it's the, the usual, the quotes that I give out are something like, that feels so weird. That feels so weird. Oh, wow, good shot. Wow, that feels now it feels great. Mm-hmm. And it is interesting that uh, it is so unnatural, and yet our favorite players make it look natural, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you said that you're, you know, a lot of people, I don't ever ask this question, Dream Foursome. I don't know why I don't ask it, but I noticed you answered it before, and you said that it was your family mainly. Mm-hmm.
1: No, oh, sure. Yeah, we have the game. You know, the game is part of the dynamic of the family. It's actually how I met my wife. Uh, how I got whoa, whoa. We, we were really? engaged. Uh, you met her on a golf course or something? Well, she was. Uh, she worked for the Golf Channel. Yeah, I'm married to a beautiful blonde scratch golfer. It's um, yeah, whoa. it's uh, it's pretty tough. I tell you, that's. Um, <laughs> I, I hate my life. You know? <laughs> I hate my life. Um, no, I'm I'm very lucky to have to roll over every day and see a beautiful blonde scratch golfer there.
0: <laughs> and you're both just watching golf and talking about the birdie yesterday.
1: She is, and we are, and, the whole, and her whole family is in golf, is in mine as well. And she still is, uh, she has her own golf line called Golfino, which is an attempt. Wait.
0: Atten- I love that brand. Yes, I've bought stuff on that brand online, which is saying a lot because I don't really
1: buy a lot it's of golf right, stuff. That's right, but you're probably the right body type for it as well. It's but perfect. It's it slim. Yeah, it's very slimming stuff, yeah. I wear it all the time. In fact, I'm surprised I'm not wearing it today. It's not that, it's not, is, is it it's Italian? It's actually German. Oh. It sounds Italian, but it <laughs> is, uh, it's the top, I would say the top brand in Europe. And she went over and made a presentation to them because it had never been in the United States before yeah uh so she um uh she brought it over here and she's now golfino u s a and uh, she has that has it in about three hundred different clubs across the country
0: so now someone's about to get fired on my end because I should fucking know this like <laughs> what the dude this is so cool like literally I remember I bought the pants yep. and I bought uh the fabric's really nice I bought the shirt that has mm-hmm. the golf course image mm-hmm. on it oh sure, remember yep. that one uh-huh yep. it definitely gets a lot of like it's a lot of attention, which is you know great but uh, that's so crazy. So wait, t- can you, do you mind telling me the story of how you
1: guys met? Cause I love these sure, stories. Sure. We, uh, well, we, um, uh, our first date was, uh, on the golf course. Uh, and, and I made sure that when I saw her hit the, you know, hit the ball 250 yards down the middle of the fairway and I looked at her and I go, this is a date by the way. <laughs> um, she has never missed the middle of the fairway ever since I've, uh, met her. Uh, and, uh. I make a joke that I've never seen her in the woods before, but she takes the same golf ball that I bought her years ago and just puts it back in the sleeve. And <laughs> she's never lost it. You know, um, yeah, she's uh, so it, that was our first date, and she worked for the golf channel at the time. But how did you end
0: up playing golf together?
1: I asked her out. You just, but how did you meet her before that? Well, we had met actually at a golf tournament, the ESPYS, the ESPY Awards, ah, yes. had a golf tournament there in uh, L.A. And so I was playing in that, and so was she. She was, uh, she was employee number twelve at the Golf Channel. <laughs> Arnold Palmer hired her uh, directly, and uh, wow, uh, she was a, a brilliant student out of Baylor. She was, uh, you know, top of her class, I think, and uh, and and a great golfer. She was on the golf team there at Baylor, and they, you know, have won the NCAA's many times. Uh, she was, she's that good. So we, uh, yeah, so we uh, we decided to meet and play golf, and we did. And uh, uh, I was absolutely enthralled by her. She was just absolutely uh, so much fun, and we laughed, and uh, so we had a great time. So we actually got engaged um, on the seventh hole at Pebble Beach. Yes, the ring was in the hole I no. had it, in a bo- I, it was in a box in the hole and I had hired photog- a photographer to sit there in the gorse there to um, take pictures of the entire scene and um, I had it set up so that we would go out there at five thirty at night after the course was clear and I arranged this with the pro there so we drove out there and of course it never occurred to her that you don't just get to go out and play the horse at five thirty in the <laughs> evening and, and I said bring a brand new 100 hundred dollar bill because we're going to have a skins game out on the seventh <laughs> hole and uh she said great so we you know we packed up and went out there uh and I had the whole thing arranged and uh the box was already in the hole at the time with a four carat diamond ring yeah and um I figure what I would do is take one extra club and I'd blow it into the back trap there on the famous par three there as a number seven, overlooking the ocean on maybe the most perfect day, uh, and the, oddly enough, the wind was blowing um, the wind was blowing out rather than in, and so um, uh, in, in, in taking the, the extra club, I actually put it right next to the pin, and, went, oh, no, this is <laughs> not. and she hits it into the front trap. And uh, or she, I'm sorry, she hits it into the back trap, and I go, this is not going to go. This is not the scenario that I wrote. You're
0: going to be pulling the pin. Then
1: she blades the, then she blades <laughs> the only downhill uh, sand shot that she's ever hit into the front trap. She gets it about 15 feet from the pin, and as she's walking past me, at least I said to her, if I can get her to just pull the pin, she'll... I said, well, let me just just pull the pin, and I'll put you out of your misery, which only made her madder. So she pulls the pin. She goes, I can't. There's a box in it. (laughs) And I said, oh, really? And so she picks up the pin and the box, throws them both away (laughs) over towards the side of the cliff by the crashing surf, and I went... And I went, oh, my. And then she said, and then as she walks past me, she, she pushes me down. And she says, oh, you. And I was just about to drop to my knee to do my proposal. And she pushes me over. She says, you have won your $100. Just leave me alone. And now I'm lying on the ground, figuring this is not the way this is supposed to be going here. And as I'm lying on my back, looking straight up at the sky, I said, sweetie, the box was for you. And she broke out, burst into tears because she knew exactly what it was instantly. What I hadn't figured was that she still had her golf glove on, so I couldn't put the (laughs) ring on. But but that's how we got engaged. Uh, So it was, um, it was, uh, and by the way, I won the $100, the most expensive $100 I've ever won. It just, uh, that was the gift that just kept on taking. (laughs) Uh, But uh, yeah, so golf has been a big, Part of our the dynamic of our life. In fact, if you go to Pebble Beach and the magazine that they have there, they still have that story uh, about being in, about engaging there. That is. Yeah, so it's a wonderful. It was a wonderful time. It's always been a uh, kind of a uh, a wonderful moniker for us to have the that seventh hole of Pebble Beach, a special place.
0: Right, right. The box is for you. Mm-hmm. When you said it hit me when you said that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, jeez. I. Yeah, I'm, I don't even know where to go after that. That's <laughs> fucking. That's the best story that's ever been told on this podcast. Jeez, um, uh, where do we go from there? Um, what I was going to say is, um, I've had some first dates on a golf course, kind mm-hmm. of, and they're a little. It's a little. It, it's it's different. It's not terribly romantic.
1: No, it isn't, I, isn't.
0: You know, on some level, you're even. You know, you're 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 probably not playing on a team, mm-hmm. right? Usually, mm-hmm. you're playing against each other. Mm-hmm. Is that have you? Is that the first time you've
1: ever done that? Uh, no, I actually dated a, uh, a golfer uh, prior to that. And I liked it a lot. I liked the idea because it was, you know, you spend four hours together. It's yeah. wonderful. I loved it. And I liked playing with somebody very good. You know, I, I got a kick out of somebody being if, if as good or better than me. I like that idea. It's fun. of well, fun to be able to do it. And it's even more fun now when we play uh, golf tournaments together. I'll bring my wife along, and of course, you know, the guys will, it's like a scramble or a charity, you know, these typical charity, celebrity charity scrambles that you play, and I'll bring, you know, my wife along, and they'll kind of say, oh, sure, she can play, like that, and, um, uh, you know, on the first hole, she'll, you know, from the ladies' tee, she can usually drive the par four, so, you know, it's exactly right, yeah, so, uh, all of a sudden, the eyes open up, you know, and it's like they realize they've got a ringer very quickly, um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, so that's a lot of fun, and I never say much about it. I just kind of let the let the talent speak for itself
0: how do you how do you handle i i I feel like I would like that as well and it's i don't i it's never quite happened for me usually i'm usually i I at my course in l a and usually i I get a lot of uh, jabs from the guys in the pro shop when I'm out there giving a lesson to uh you know some some girl and you know it's it's always like They'll, they'll do a few lessons, they'll kind of get into it, but it's hard to, you know, get them to be, you know, I mean, it takes a long time, it's a long road. Mm-hmm. But what I was going to ask was, um, what do you make of the whole joke, uh, does your wife play, I don't know, I never asked her. <laughs> I don't understand, I mean, I, I, I guess, I guess I get it, but at the same time, I'm like, no, I love this game. Yeah. I fucking love this game, and I love her. mm mm-hmm. Why wouldn't we go to New Zealand and play golf every fucking day?
1: And that's exactly what we do. We, we went to New Zealand. There to, you go. You know, when, when, uh, after her reward for carrying my son for nine month, nine plus months uh, was I took her down to uh, New Zealand for two weeks. And we uh, went to Kari Cliffs. Uh, we went to uh, Cape Kidnappers. We went uh, did the whole experience. Uh, I'm a fly fisherman, and she's also a decent fly fisherman. Uh, so I took her helicopter fishing for rainbows down there. So it was a phenomenal experience, and that was, yeah, sure. It was, I mean, it's a wonderful way to wrap around. I mean, usually when we go somewhere, golf is involved. For many years, I was lucky enough to be invited to the Dunhill Cup. Uh, the, the link's uh, in October over there. And, and when they found out how good my wife was, they included her in this invitation, and she almost won it one year. And uh, if you, you know, and there was... Is that a standard pro am? Uh, or, it's, or it's just a celebrity tournament? It, no, no, it's a pro event. So it's, who is she playing with when she almost won? Uh, well, she's had several. Uh, Alejandro uh, Canizares. Uh, okay. Jim, if she's had a, uh, every year, you get a new pro. Okay. And we've and we've played it for about seven years. So it's it's quite a. And you play Carnoustie, Kingsbarns, and the Old Course at St Andrews. So it's pretty spectacular. And that's where we met. That's where she was introduced to Golfino. Golfino has a store, an in-house store, right there at uh, the Old Course Hotel. That's how we became the. The top purchasers of Golfino, and now we are Golfino. So it's a little bit like the it's the Peterman story all over again in Dude, many, many respects. I was just going to say that.
0: No, can so. can I ask? Uh, <clears throat> this is on the fly, but I feel like this is going to be a gold here. Can what is can Mr. Peterman spend as much time and describe St. Andrews as possible?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I would love to hear that. You know what I mean? How does how does he see it? Like sell it to me? Uh, uh,
1: yes, a rounded sale. St. Andrews. Uh, uh Yes, I would say, uh, yeah, uh, hmm. St. Andrew's flat as a pancake. And it leaves one on one's knees. Because if double bogey were a fabric, I would be draped in it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's good. That's good. All right, hitting you up at the ad break here. I got a couple to run through. Jones golf bags, y'all, made in Portland. These bags are... uh go back to the 70s you're gonna recognize these if you're older and if you're not you're gonna be like those look retro they're awesome well they are awesome and they're also wonderfully priced they also have some random golf club bags uh, we are getting a new bag up and running so check back on the website for that we're currently sold out of all the current bags that we have through Jones. Um, but stay tuned. You can sign up for the mailing list at randomgolfclub.com or head over to Jones Golf Bags. Follow them on Instagram, Jones_Sports_Co. They make the best bags in the biz. They've got dual straps, single straps. They probably have a triple strap. They've got stand bags. Um, they my one of the best is I like the original bag. I like the Player series. I also like the Ranger or the Rover, one of the two. Either way, I love that bag, and I love the guys that make up Jones. Very proud to welcome a new sponsor to the Random Golf Club Universe, that's Whoop. You may have seen me wearing a, quote, watch on my right wrist. That's not a watch. It's a Whoop strap, W-H-O-O-P, and they're offering uh, a discount. I don't quite know what it is. It could be 15%. I don't know. It's pro- It could be more uh, if you use the code EAL. And um, my experience with this wonderful device, this wearable technology is that it helps me get better sleep. It helps me understand the strain that I'm going through throughout the day, whether I'm you know, on the bike, it connects to my Peloton, or whether I'm just walking 18 holes of golf, which by the way, actually is pretty strenuous. I didn't really realize that's why I need a nap in the middle of the day, folks, if I play a 6 a.m. round. Um, But definitely go check it out. They've obviously, you probably heard the news that they gave one out to every PGA Tour player because it actually has been proven to help identify, um, you know, subtle, I guess, biometric changes in your body that could lead to uh, early um, uh, detection of COVID. So, you know, a lot of reasons to try this thing. A lot of athletes have been loving it, obviously, Rory and Justin Thomas. So check that out. All right, folks, I have a message here for you from our friends over at Features. Yes, I love the family, the Features family, folks. Uh, Changing your socks can make a huge difference in your daily walks. And I'm not talking about walks of life. I'm talking about literally your feet walking around the neighborhood. Or, of course, while hitting the links. Runners worldwide have made Features their sock of choice, and now you get the same benefits. Specially tailored for the golf course. Their fucking elite golf socks <laughs> keeps you keep cool, dry, and blister-free. Snowball has never had a blister. He doesn't even know what it's like. While providing a custom-like fit that won't bunch or slip. They're in the old backswing. It doesn't even matter how far you take it back, because with features... It's going to be in the fairway. Anyway, features is engineered a sock with targeted compression, anatomical design, and moisture wicking. I tell you what, let's scrap this script, folks. I got my features in the mail, and I was like, oh, okay, someone brought a scientist into the sock drawer. That's what I'm saying. I put these socks on, and my feet looked up at me, and they were like, dog? We are like show dogs now. Before, we were kind of just like dogs, like kind of rabid dogs, like nah, like untrained, probably unclean, and just eating whatever they could get their hands on. But when I put on the features, they looked up at me and they were like, hello, sir, where would you like to travel to today? I'm very excited to be the feet that you step upon, that, well, that to, to help you get wherever you need to go. So anyway, dear lad, um, pleased to make your acquaintance. Thank you for the... I guess you call them features, although they are inside out from my view, so they're called Anyway, very good, sir. The features, very nice. Um, So let me tell you something about features. They will change how you feel about socks forever. And you can get 10% off your first pair of features when you use the code ERIC, that's E-R-I-K, Swedish man, at features.com. That's F E E. T-U-R-E-S dot com. Promo code ERIC. That's $10 off your first pair of features. Um, And anyway, let me see if there's any other notes I missed. Ah, Of course, lifetime guarantee. Hugh and his two sons, John and Joe, from North Carolina, S-K-Kakalaka. Their mission is to create products that help you achieve your personal best. So the lifetime guarantee is to really help you realize that they're durable and long-lasting. And I have personally found that to be very true because, as you might imagine, I run my socks into the ground. Isn't that right, old feet? Very good. Unfortunately, not available yet for pause i see i'm sorry snowball you're gonna have to continue to go barefoot like a homeless hippie anyway personal endorsement this is mandatory i must talk about my experience with the product i feel like i already did that jeeves don't you think very good motivate the audience Additional points to cover your spot features help you achieve your best every day clearly you already knew that because otherwise why would i talk about it lifetime guarantee I've already said this anyway it's features.com f-e-e-t-u-r-e-s.com promo code Eric and enjoy the socks gentlemen while they're on your feet and you'll feel elevated simply speaking a scientist in the sock drawer once again features.com slash Eric all right folks vpn visible party node or what hang on what is a vpn actually virtual private network raise your hands if you knew that anyway there's tons of virtual private networks out there you've probably heard of a couple of them and some of you have even used a vpn before i feel like i have when i was in another country and i wanted to watch some golf right snowball anyway i like to do my research on my sponsors and i only recommend brands to those of, to list to my listeners that i believe in huh, that's a mouthful anyway i can say with full confidence that express vpn is the best vpn on the market and here's why Four bullet points, folks. First one, VPN Express VPN doesn't log your data. Lots of really cheap or free VPNs make money by selling your data to ad companies. And honestly, I say F that. Don't don't sell my data. Sell don't sell anything. Sell me a good product. That's what I will buy. Anyway, they uh, they developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes it impossible for their servers to log any of your info. Second is speed. I've tried lots of vipins in the past. Many slow your connection down or make your device sluggish. And folks, we all know what being sluggish sluggish is. Thirteenth hole, five bogeys in a row. That's this is not what that is. This is two birdies on the third hole. You're you're opening. You get open with a strong start. Anyway, the last thing that really sets ExpressVPN apart from other VPNs is how easy it is to use. Unlike other VPNs, you don't have to input or program anything. You just fire up the app and click one button to connect. Sounds like, um, I don't know, like a, like like Postmates or something, you know, like you just fire up a button or Uber. This is like Uber for VPN. They're going to hate that I said that. Anyway, this is not just me saying this. Wired, Verge, CNET, and many other tech experts Rate ExpressVPN is the number one VPN in the world. So anyway, to protect yourself with the VPN that I use and trust, use my link, expressvpn.com slash eric. That's E-R-I-K. today and get an extra three months free on a one-year package. Three months. Dang, that's enough time to what? What can you do in three months? You could probably save two strokes off your handicap. Anyway, that's expressvpn.com slash eric, E-R-I-K. Visit expressvpn.com slash eric. Eric, to get, to get what they have to offer. <laughs> Three months free. Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason. And we have a couple of podcasts. If you, you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy. And we have a podcast called Dumb People Town, where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. I can't, uh, I I have a hard time identifying with someone who can walk up 18 without getting tremendously emotional.
1: It is, uh, it's pretty, well, you know what's even more fun is having my wife over there because, first of all, women don't look like her on a golf course. I mean, she is one of the prettiest women I've ever seen in my life and an absolutely exquisite body. And onwards of about the 14th hole at St. Andrews, you get this long... Kind of side path that goes along the side of the golf course, and the townspeople gather at the four, and then they follow it. It can follow the the foursomes as they go into town, and not have to pay the price, or you know, there's no entry fee that way. Well, when she hits the 14th hole, all of a sudden this group of 18-year-old boys gather, and they she has her own cheering section (laughs) of 18-year-olds that see this beautifully. Uh, outfitted woman hitting the ball straight down the middle you know and uh, and so by the time she gets to 18 that walk up 18 she's got you know it's like a, it, it, it might as well be Christy Brinkley <laughs> 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 um, so it's uh, that's a lot of fun to watch that she has her own fan base over there so right that's great
0: that's wonderful yeah I uh, you know I, I um, but talk a little bit about um, you know we, we talked a little bit about your dream force and the idea of playing with your family um i kind of uh, I, I, I learn about golf every day, right? My life is golf. everything I do is golf. I continue learning. the dream foursome question I feel like is a bit of a mistake, right because everyone thinks Gandhi the rock, whatever and I, no. those are my answers sometimes but well, I mean, why do we play golf
1: mm-hmm.
0: and why do you play i mean I mean if, if that 's your dream foursome, I feel like you have an answer that 's in line with probably a lot of how I feel about golf. One of my favorite rounds in my life was that a not terribly significant golf course with my mother and my father and my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was just a moment where I realized this is my life mm-hmm. and it, it, it thanks to the caddy who said, you don't realize it yet, but you'll remember this round in 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so is there, is there a, is there a connection there for you to those things and, and why you play golf?
1: Sure. I, I started the game as a, a way to spend four hours with my father. And my father plays today at the age of 90 so that he can spend four hours with me. So it's a passing of the baton uh, at some point in your life. And I would say the saddest day of my life was the day I first beat my father. Really? Yes. Because that is, you realize, I, and I remember the first time I beat him playing chess. I, and I was about 14 years old. And I went, oh, no. I hated it. Because you always want to believe that your father is the best, at, you know what I mean. So it's the passing of the baton, and I that I it was just I I was in deeply saddened by it. Isn't that interesting? That uh, it's it, you, you try you know you try your hardest to be competitive, and then you know it's like what happens when the dog finally catches the car. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Jesus, man, you've hit me with two fucking serious <laughs> bangers there with the the father statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I can't remember what you just said he said uh now he spends 4 hours to play with me yeah mm-hmm. that's cats in the cradle right there mm-hmm. cats uh, yeah, yeah. The, that's the cat cradle that's exactly yeah. right yeah. Um, <coughs> okay fine next uh i feel like you probably have an answer to this beyond something like patience <coughs> what has golf taught you yeah something really deep like <laughs> uh,
1: you know it isn't it's it's very simple it's i i'm a great believer in individual responsibility that I control my destiny Uh, I believe that in every aspect of my life no one is responsible for me except me and I am not my circumstances so the combination of the two is of accepting the personal responsibility and realizing that you are not your circumstances gives you um, the perfect uh, playing temperament for the game of golf I think that no matter how bad your situation is there's always a way out of it um, and the fact that you were the person who put yourself <laughs> into that situation. Right. It was nobody else. So I like that, I like that, that, that golf is constantly teaching me uh, about that. I am also blessed with no long-term memory. <laughs> I completely, and, and you know for a fact, and you've met, I know people like Jimmy Wood, James Wood's actor. If you play golf with Jimmy Woods, he remembers every single hole, every stroke. I mean, that's the kind of mind he has upstairs. So you will have to endure not only playing the round with him, but the retelling of the round, hole by, <laughs> hole, by hole by hole. I have no memory of that. When I leave a golf course, I have no idea what I just shot or how I how I scored. I have it doesn't matter to me. While I'm playing it, I'm. Deeply involved in it, deeply frustrated by it, <laughs> um, and, and I wear my emotions on my sleeve. And uh, um, but when the, somehow when the game is over, it's gone. I have no memory of it. It's, I've been released from it. <laughs> so it's uh, so for me, I guess you know, golf is a, is a, as I say, a wonderful chance to to uh, recognize individual responsibility and the and the that everything is redeemable.
0: What, what you said earlier when you were describing, um, you know, what you touched on sort of almost manifestation and then you kind of touched on, uh, I don't know, something else. But whatever it was, it pleasantly sounded and smelled a bit like it's a spiritual game for
1: you. Oh, it is. Very much a game. Yeah, I, I think it's a, there is an absolute spirituality to the game of golf, I believe in a, a tremendous life.
0: Is there a spiritual aspect to your life outside of golf that would help clue me into how you see golf? Like, I mean, it sounded, it sounded like you're like Buddhist and you're going on meditation well, retreats. Well,
1: no. I mean, I, I, do, and I do a lot of motivational speaking to corporations around the, the country, so I, 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 I kind of walk my talk. Uh, and uh, yeah, I do believe very much in, in the, the, the essential uh, notion of the present moment, um, of living in the present moment, that nothing else matters than other than the present moment. Uh, That if man has one great problem in life, it is the burden of time. It's the fact that we are always thinking about what we have to do or what we have done. It is the expectation of the future and the shame of the past and nobody lives in the present moment. Golf is all about living in the present moment. It is what it is right there. So if you can free yourself of what you just happened on the previous hole or your expectations of the next shot and just live in the moment, then you have the perfect temperament to play the game of golf.
0: Uh, for those of you listening, you couldn't see the eye contact that John just made with me and it was it was intense. Like I can feel that you're able to sit in that moment.
1: Like a lot of people, uh, you know, uh, you can tell aren't listening or, or, or knowing what they're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. When you look into somebody's eyes for 10 seconds, you realize how often you never do.
0: <laughs> you know, you, you reminded me of a quote that I read uh, yesterday, which is, um, I can't remember who, who attributed it. I can't attribute it to rem- who the author was, but it was, uh, death ultimately destroys a man, but the idea of it saves him. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you're into that. <laughs> Very much so. Very um, much so. No. Y- you... Um, shit I had something else I can't remember Um.
1: but I'll go um, let me just embellish on that just a little bit I would say of all all of the golfers that I know all the pros I would say are quiet people inside I think that is the one common denominator among all successful golfers is that there's a stillness in them and I, I look at people like Brad Faxon you can look into Brad's eyes and just see that that is the quietest man and when he holds on to a putter you can see there's that that there's a gentleness to the way that he manipulates that iron and you you can see why he's such a good putter because he's still and you can see it it just it it, it it's the spirit inside of him and i find that to be, you, you look at a good pro the way that they stand over the ball when they putt it, and you'll see you'll just see it, the, the the stillness of the spirit, and uh, as opposed to me, <laughs> who I, I mean I grip it like I'm trying to milk a bull moose, you know, <laughs> uh, you, you know I, you, you put run? a putter in my hands and I bring the bunkers back into play. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's that's a fun experience. de-greening <laughs> a ball. Um, you, uh, you
0: what, what's your? Um, have you ever milked a bull moose?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I uh, usually. Uh, who was that? I? I was. I was that was a, a, an expression I used uh, on camera once, and I think they had to cut it out of the show. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit before the time. Apparently so, yeah. <laughs> uh, a,
0: mo- moose are apparently very aggressive creatures. Mm-hmm. I was just a, as a fly fisherman, I you've probably been to Jackson, mm-hmm. uh, Wyoming. Sure, sure. Some great golf there. Yeah, have you played there? Uh, I have not. I have not. Dude, no. you got it. Yeah. So there, uh, the elevation is quite a factor, and I mean, I can hit a ball. Two ninety, three hundred, mm-hmm. you know around there if I really hit a good one mm-hmm. I can also hit it 260 and I can hit it longer average drive up
1: there was like 340 oh, and it on some it got one? 380 mm. I mean the fairways were a bit hard but I'm, it's all the elevation we play up in uh, every year the last 26 years now uh, I've been playing in the NBC uh, Tahoe tournament there, oh, the yeah. NBC Celebrity Championships um, and I find a way to screw my way to the middle somehow uh, <laughs> up there um uh, but I, uh, but we, we, we are up there about sixty five hundred feet, so that we yeah. we get that same thing. that kind of uh, that, that kind of extra roll that you get. Now, my wife, if I, uh, circling back to my wife, this year called me one day, and we have a little bounty that she and I have for a hole in one. It's a hundred dollar bounty, so she, you can see that the hundred dollar figure comes back <laughs> into my life quite a bit. She um, she called me and she goes, "You owe me a hundred dollars." I said, "What happened?" Uh, she goes, uh, well, I uh, I got an ace. I said, you're kidding. She says, yeah, it just happened. And she said, I think it's going to have to be a little more than $100. I said, what do you mean? She goes, it was on a par four. No. 285 yards uphill par four. What? And she aced it. And she was with borrowed clubs. She was playing with the pro. She was uh, showing him her golf line, and then they went out and played. And not only that, it was with a borrowed golf ball. <laughs> so she had everything about it was borrowed. Wow, 285 yards, um, Eagle Springs, or up in um, uh, in Vale. Okay. Uh, and um, yeah, she up uphill 285. And the pro said it's never been. No. You know, it, I, And I don't. I I asked Annika Sorensen no. when we were out with them in uh, at Tahoe this year. I said, "Have you ever heard of anything like she? I've never heard of anybody, acing a 285-yard par four. Uh, I mean, it's just uh, so. That's. So it, I. I only gave her a hundred dollars. I'm saying I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's 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 the limit of my patience.
0: There was no fine print. Yeah, and
1: that's her. That's uh, her third hole in one. Wow.
0: That probably counts as two. Mm. Mm-hmm. I the, I wonder the numbers, right? Because a lot of people have hole in ones. You have one at least, I know. I have
1: one. I had one at the BMW Web dot com.
0: Yeah. Tournament, and they famously didn't give you a BMW. Is no, like that? I,
1: isn't that funny? You don't. No, yeah. I got I got the what I got was a uh, one year membership to a health maintenance organization in Columbia, South Carolina. So translated, it means anytime I had post nasal drip, I had to hop on a plane and get down <laughs> to South Carolina, and that didn't end. And, and, and I was so mad that I didn't get the, the BMW because yeah. I said, and now everybody gets the BMW but yeah. not posthumously. you got to go retroactive. Yeah, they don't. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, so I was, uh, that was a lot of fun though. But actually, and my wife got to see it because she was in the foursome in front of me. See, Aww. again, the dynamic of, of the par three and something in the hole.
0: I'm, I'm willing to, uh, what is your favorite, I mean, you've been interviewed a lot, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a favorite question that people ask you? I mean, you know, because there must be questions where you're like, I can sink my teeth into that one. Is there something that you really like? Not that I'm going to ask it to you,
1: but I'm just... No, no. no I mean, but I, I mean, we, we, we touched upon it earlier. I, I, like, I like to talk about meaningful things. You know, I like to discuss ideas and, uh, and those are the things that I enjoy. When, uh, if I sit down with somebody over a glass of wine or something, I'd much rather sit back and talk about you know, concepts. I'm much happier in that as I always feel, then it's time well spent. Yeah, um, I I hate discussing politics. I hate talking about people. I hate you know. It was just I don't feel like it, I'm spending my time at my best.
0: I don't like discussing politics either. In fact, I can't even follow it for obvious reasons. But I guess I'm curious to know um, why you don't like discussing politics.
1: Well, because I have found, and especially over the last decade or so uh, there is such a, an emotional and visceral reaction to politics mm. um, that we have become less tolerant of people thinking differently than we do that we don't allow the freedom that people have a different perspective and that's really what politics are is that I have, I have a certain view of the world and you will probably have a different view of the world but it, it doesn't make either one of our views any less valid what you imagine has value that's my premise in life um, and if you don't believe that then then you have denied another person their right to think differently and i think that's one of the things that makes this country great is that everybody has the opportunity to think differently and what we are trying to do lately with our this political divisiveness that we have is we are denying each other the opportunity to think differently and that's what i object to um, i don't care what you think of i i absolutely defend your right to think that way and 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 i want to and i want the same freedom for myself and unfortunately we don't allow that anymore you have to think the way that you know you know for for every us there has to be a them i don't agree with that
0: so it sounds like you're the kind of guy who uh walks up to anybody and tries to find something in common to be able to connect. Is that true?
1: Mm, I would say so. Um, I try to imagine the four-year-old child in every other human being. Whoa. I do. I, and and I, uh, it's part of what I speak about when I speak to corporations. I said it becomes the, the, the whole nature, I, I speak in terms of three elements in life and it's called the Peterman Guide to the Extraordinary Life. And there are three elements of it. One is imagination, one is contemplation, and we've talked about those, the idea of what you imagine has value, and that it is only in the present moment that you realize the wonder of the world, and not in the living in the future or the shame of the past, in the peace. To be stunned by the present moment and the things that are going on. And then finally, the third element is appreciation. And appreciation is recognizing the inherent value and the inherent vulnerability in every human being, and I identify that through uh, the first day I took my son to kindergarten, and I realized these little kids, and they were scared to death of being in that line. They didn't know anybody, and all the kids were older and bigger than them, and they all just kind of stood around, and I said, that, I understand what appreciation is now, and it's recognizing the, the value which you see in the child but also the inherent vulnerability that everybody is broken. Everybody is broken in some fashion. And that's what, if you can recognize that, then, then everybody has value. Everybody has value. And then so you try to find that value. And you try to see the that in every child, I mean there's and I say four years old because that four year old is still in me. It never changed. I still see the world as I did when I was four, and I remember the way that I saw the world. It hasn't changed, so that four year old still lives in me. So I try to um, I try to use that really as a um, uh, as a frame of reference for what I believe is the nature of pure appreciation.
0: That's wonderful. I I wanted now. I was you were talking, and then I had a moment where I thought of. Uh, two things. One, will you, you, um, is that why we love golf in some ways? Because it creates for, for me, one of the reasons why I love golf is because it's one of the things that it, it, it's, it's almost like, um, like a magnifying glass on my emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like I almost, I almost go to it so that I can get frustrated mm-hmm. and so that I can feel like, uh, that experience of overcoming difficulty. Mm-hmm. And, because it's not as acute, it's not as simple out there in world, right? In golf, it's, it's, it's very much like it, the ball should go where I want it to go, <clears> and it <throat> should bounce the way I think it should bounce, and it's just black or white, really, mm-hmm. as, far as, the, the, as far as the action that affects the feeling that I'm about to have around the result. Is, is that something for you?
1: Absolutely, um, and, and I think it, it's a way to come in contact, with the infinite possibility the act I mean golf is the act of the infinite possibility anything can happen at that moment but it's all under your control and that's what I like about it that is a complete human experience to me and that's what golf is that's what golf is I'm not reacting to anything you know baseball is a reactive sport tennis is a reactive sport Uh, golf is is a proactive everything is in your hands and your responsibility. You know, that's that's why that's why I love it.
0: I love it. So you um you uh you, you you sort of slid in there a few minutes ago, your life's premise. Can you can you uh, can you talk about that a little bit more?
1: Well, as I said, I believe in imagination, I believe in contemplation, and I believe in appreciation and those three elements, I think lead to what I refer to as the extraordinary life. I met a man back in 1991 um, as we were cruising through the Arctic Circle (laughs) on the longest, of course we are, I'm Jay Peterman. Yeah, I was like, okay, Mr. uh, Peterman. And uh, I met this man, uh, it was an elderly gentleman uh, named Barry. And uh, I was instantly just attracted to the size of his spirit. He was just such an interesting, interesting person. And sitting on the poop deck there uh, at midnight, and it was still looking about four in the afternoon as we were passing through the Arctic Circle, longest day of the year, 24-hour sun. I'm sitting there with a glass of wine talking to him, and I -I 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 asked him to what he attributed his success. And he was a... A multi millionaire, I'm probably cheating him by a few decimal points in saying that. Um, But he was a very well off man. And I said to what he owed, I asked him to what he owed his success. And he lived with a little twinkle in his eye, he grabbed my arm and he says, John, I'll tell you, you got two choices in life. You can have an ordinary life or you can have an extraordinary life. And that's it, that's the choice you make. And I said, OK, I get it. And I always remember that. And I thought about it, and I've written about it, and I've written three books. Uh, but they all go back to the notion of living the extraordinary life. And that is kind of the premise of my life, is to, li- to live life extraordinarily. And it has nothing to do with money or power, but has everything to do with the, the, the richness and the power of the choices that you make. Uh, I I
0: hate to bring it back into a uh, less wonderfully conceptual uh, But you
1: have to cut away for a commercial? Is that what you're saying?
0: (laughs) But here's a word from our sponsor. No. um, How do you live an extraordinary life? People are going to want to fucking know. They're they're driving around. They're doing their thing. And they're like, I'm in traffic.
1: If you live by your imagination, not by your rational mind, you live by your imagination... Your imagination are the pictures in your mind. It's a 24-hour assessment of who you are, what you are, and your imagination cannot lie to you. It's the only thing that's honest inside of you. Your rational mind will lie to you because it has a fight or a flight syndrome. It has a a natural protection. It is afraid of the undertow. It It has its own agenda. Your imagination does not. If you live by what you imagine, all the things that I have done, you say I have an eclectic career well, I'll answer that by saying I have an eclectic career because I've always listened to my imagination. And if my imagination tells me I should go write a book, I write a book. If it tells me I should go compose an album, I go compose an album. Um, If it tells me I should do this, you know, I I, I should go write a one-man show, I write a one-man show. Uh, I don't, I never, I never question my imagination. I always follow it. And it's, it's provided me, the richness of my life so far. The second aspect of the extraordinary life is living life contemplatively, living in the present moment, to be as close as you can to just living in that moment so that you can experience the wonder that's going on in every second of your life. But if I'm constantly worried about what's going to happen or what hasn't happened or what did happen, then I'm missing the... I'm not clued into what's going on. And I've, missed, I've had the experience, but I've missed the meaning. The final thing is by living by appreciation. And as I say, that's recognizing the, the value and the vulnerability in every human being. And, and from that, the, the um, motivation to be generous will come. But that's the fundamental nature of what, um, of what appreciation is all about. So those are the three elements of living extraordinarily. Imagination, contemplation, and appreciation. And if you live that, you will live extraordinarily. And here's the here's the trick: you got to have all three, not two, not one of three, but all three.
0: I agree. Obviously, uh, I think one of the things that I struggle with personally is I the imagination I got. I sometimes struggle with. Uh, I I guess I I guess I have the imagination, and I jump back into rational. And then I
1: everybody does, and
0: I screw my idea over, and I talk myself out of doing the work.
1: The world is littered with ideas that were dropped at the five-yard line.
0: Whoa, like it's like littered. with ninety-five yards to go? Uh
1: uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. huh. Jeez.
0: How do you not do that? How do you how do you work? Well,
1: I formed a habit of doing it, so it's easier for me to do it because I know it's. I know I'm never wrong. If I follow my imagination, I know that if I follow my rational mind, it will, it will be afraid. That it, My rational mind knows fear. My imagination doesn't. It can't lie to me. It's a 24-7 assessment of who I am and where I should be going. I have never once imagined that I should be playing in the NBA. <laughs> really? No. It, my mind won't, my imagination won't take me there. My imagination will take me to what I should be doing uh, in my, in, within the, 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 the scope of my life. And it's never led me wrong. So you don't... Sorry. I'm just moving the camera. That might be an interesting shot. You don't... It's so. the nostril shot. <laughs> it's a good thing I'm not wearing a dress. No, no We'll see. Yeah. Maybe no, move it over here.
0: All right, folks. Small businesses have unique needs. And by that, I mean a sandals policy, some type of flip-flop policy... No, I'm talking about LinkedIn. Despite the current uncertainty, one thing that remains unchanged is the importance of having the right people on your team. Stonewall, I'm looking at you. He's he's fast asleep. I mean, did someone drug him? Why, I'm speaking pretty loudly. Anyway, when your business is ready to make that next hire, LinkedIn jobs can help by matching your role with qualified candidates so that you can what? Go for a walk. No, find the right person quickly. Hosts, please do. Exp- this is written to me, not to say to you anyway. Oh, shoot. I should have read this earlier. But anyway, we're good. Uh, LinkedIn helps me find the right candidate for the right job. And it's got an active community of professionals with more than 690 million members worldwide. That's almost 690 million. How many people live on Earth? (laughs) That's a lot of people, man. That's like. How many? Do you guys know how many people live on Earth? It's got to be like five. Is it more than five billion? Hey, Siri. Siri. How many people live on planet Earth? This? In 2018, the population 8 billion. The was 7, 7. So that means that 10% of the world is on LinkedIn. That's madness. Uh, okay, we screen candidates with the hard and soft skills that you're looking for. I didn't realize that the jobs have both hard and soft skills. I got a lot to learn. <laughs> for a guy who dropped <laughs> out of high school, it's strange that I'm writing, that I'm reading some copy on a, um, what do you call this thing? Anyway, uh, put your job in front of a post of qualified members every day so that it's seen by people looking for jobs like yours. Truth is, I have used LinkedIn to find people to hire them. So respect, RGC uses LinkedIn, Snowball. That's how LinkedIn jobs can help you find the right person faster. So look at this, folks. When your business is ready to make that next hire, and I'm not talking about a taxi, find the right... <laughs> Find the right person with LinkedIn jobs. You can pay what you want. Wait, how is that possible? And get the first fifty dollars off. How do you pay what you want? Anyway, go to LinkedIn.com slash Eric. Again, that's LinkedIn.com slash Eric and get fifty dollars off your first job post. And I don't understand. It says you can pay what you want and get the first 50%, fifty percent fifty dollars off. Terms and condition apply, folks. Have a Sayonara. Taylormade folks Taylormade is a family and it's a team they've been so generous with their staff players for the ace cam videos for us and obviously the sim driver has changed my life I can now I can drive the ball 7,000 yards and it actually it hits me in the in the butt it goes so far um, but definitely check out all of the things from Taylormade I love those guys vice 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 it's a golf ball it's got style it's got class. But even more importantly, it performs as good as the top-performing balls for half the price. So check out the Vice commercials. You may have seen those. I don't know if you have. Maybe you haven't. I don't know. Um, We've got a Random Golf Club ball coming out very soon. They're on a truck. I think we have—there's so many balls that they're bringing them in. I don't even know how they bring them in. They're probably not on a plane because it would weigh the plane down. I don't even know. Check up RandomGolfClub.com for the Vice balls coming up. Precision Pro. Also big news for Precision Pro coming soon. You've heard me talk about it. I think I can definitively say we're going to be launching this in the middle of August. The Random Golf Club Precision Pro Rangefinder comes with free battery replacement for life. It's got a magnet on it. We're going to get the NX9 with the RGC branding. And then all of the other rangefinders they make are wonderful. It's a wonderful family operation up there in Cincinnati. Great crew. All right, folks. Mac Weldon. The new, I've gone inside by the way. The new normal uniform has a lot of us searching our closets and drawers for men's essentials that aren't there. Instead of the usual business casual button ups and jeans, it's soft knit polos, tees, joggers, and active shorts. Whatever men's basics you need, Mac Weldon has you covered with unmatched comfort and fit. This is written in red. Where and how do you wear your favorite Mac Weldon pieces? i'm waiting for them to arrive in the mail but i will say my friend daniel had a pair of pants on and i said who makes those pants and he said mac weldon and i was like i've never heard of it and then all of a sudden in a m- role of a major coincidence a podcast ad for mac weldon comes into the old slack thread and i was like whoa if somebody's watching me anyway talk about why you like mac weldon well I think, first of all, they were attractive to me on my friend Daniel's body, on his legs primarily, the pants. Men's essentials, socks, shirts, hoodies, underwear, polos, and active shots. Mack Weldon promises comfort and a consistent fit. Versatility, they look great, feel great. From working out and going out, yeah, not what I think you're saying. We're going to work or on a date. Mack Weldon is for everyday life. Technology. Wide range of customized fabrics that could keep up with you no matter what your day looks like. Eighteen hour, silver, air knit X, dry mare, and warm knit. Well wow. <laughs> Whoa, all I can say to that is wow. Weldon Blue, totally free loyalty program. Quote Level one gets you free shipping for life, boys. For life. Wow. Once you reach level two by spending two Hundred dollars, two hundred dollars. You get twenty percent off every order for the next year. Well, that's kind of a good deal. Guarantee. Mac Weldon wants you to be comfortable. So if you don't like uh, your first pair of underwear, you can keep and uh, they'll just refund you. So wow, that's an honor program right there, boys. So for twenty percent off of your first order, visit macweldon.com/eric. So that's M A C K W E L D O N dot com slash E R I K and enter the promo code ERIC, E R I K. That's me. Anyway, that's Mac Weldon, M A C K W E L D O N dot com slash Eric, promo code ERIC for 20% off Mac Weldon. Reinventing men's basics. Here's the deal, folks. When I see a friend of mine wearing a pair of pants and I ask him who makes those pants, that basically means I like those friggin' pants. So they were Mac Weldon. Mine are coming in the mail. I'm pretty excited. And, um, yeah, I mean, look, there's a pair of pants out there for you, and they might be Mac Weldon. So, you know, try them out, and uh, Bob's your uncle. Um, at what point do you... Um... There you go. Really high... I Actually, John, I think you'll be pretty... This actually looks really good, this kind of stuff. Um, sorry, everybody. So, I'm trying to think of an example from my own life. Um, I don't think I have one. What I was going to ask you what advice would you give to young creatives, but I feel like you already did.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Trust your imagination.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and the what, interrelation between the two. Because... It's through stillness that you open your imagination. So there's an interrelation between all three elements of what I consider the extraordinary life. They depend upon one another.
0: Man, I mean, I don't know. This has been way more intense than I was expecting. Uh, I know. (laughs) I (laughs) know. Was it for you, too? (laughs) What were you expecting?
1: No. I, listen i this is the stuff that I enjoy talking about it to me it's it's um it's 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 all there is really you know <laughs> yeah, you know the rest is just wrapping paper.
0: I am kind of curious to know what a normal day
1: for you is well, a normal day for me uh, and again, I'm on Broadway right now, so my day is really you know my free time um, I usually get up and do my crossword puzzles or my sudoku or something like that over coffee in the morning, something to trigger my mind um what time do you usually get up? Uh, well, uh, you know, it depends on how late the show was or whether I went out afterwards. And, you, so I'm uh, 7.30 probably. Do you, I'm 7... do
0: you have like a mandatory sleep amount that you look for?
1: No, I'm a restless sleeper. I sleep until about 4 in the morning, then I get up for an hour, and then uh, go back to sleep again too. Yeah, no, It's just, you know, I, I, it's just nature. You've got things to do. Yeah, just my mind just uh, is always running and racing around. But I have a lot of other things outside of entertainment that I do. Uh, I have an energy company uh, that I'm running, um, a waste to energy company that's, um, that's uh, moving up the echelon quite quickly now. It's a, it's a, a, a proprietary technology that doesn't exist anywhere in the world. It
0: sounds a, like Back to the Future.
1: It does. It's exactly what it is. It is the flux capacitor. I have the... Uh, seriously. And, and Wait. It's, uh, are you kidding? No, no. Seriously.
0: This is my favorite movie on Earth.
1: Uh-huh. Well, it is the flux capacitor, but it's on a large scale. So we take any form of waste and turn it into large amounts of energy, but we do it with zero emissions. So what it means is I can do coal without any emissions, which has never been done before. Uh, I can take all forms of municipal solid waste. your garbage and... You don't have to put you. will zero out any landfill it. You don't need landfills anymore. This takes all of it and turns it into large amounts of usable energy, either, either liquid or, um, liquid fuel or, um, electricity. Anything you need, it'll do it, and it does it with zero, absolute zero emissions. So, it's ramping up right now. Um, we're producing these units all around the world, and uh, it's going to be. What's buried. the company called? Uh, well, it's called Gold Seal, but uh, if you go to Energy Dash Inc com, you'll see the uh, the technology of what we have, um, but it's uh, it's pretty interesting.
0: It's, I'm sure some people will be interested. Yeah. Um, and then what is the what is the Broadway situation like? I mean, how does that even how does it even manifest itself in your life? I mean, you just get into a cab and get I up to, head
1: up to yeah yeah I I show up to the theater about an hour before the show and I've kind of have my relaxing time up there. As I've said, I've done the show for I. Uh, I've done the show two thousand times and before I walk on stage every night just before I walk on stage and I have the greatest entrance in Broadway history on uh, I haven't seen
0: this, it oh, I need to see it
1: Chicago is one of the great musicals um, ever performed on Broadway it is just an absolutely timeless show um, and it has you know Billy Flynn the character I play is uh, he's the shrewd uh, silver-tongued lawyer um, And uh, I have the best entrance any man has ever made. I have uh, a dozen women in lingerie screaming, we want Billy, uh, seductively (laughs) gyrating in front of me. And I make an entrance. But before I make that entrance every single night, I bow my head and I say one quick prayer. And that is this, God, let me be surprised. That's all I say. And it calms me down, gets me back into the present moment. And I know that somewhere during the next two and a half hours, I'm going to find a surprise. So to say that the role is 2,000 times richer than when I started it 12 years ago is an accurate statement.
0: So I think you already answered my next question, which is, do you have any off nights? And I feel like the answer is no. Never. Never Never have an off night. Never.
1: Never. I always, in fact, because the show just gets richer and richer and richer for me. Um, I mean, and I never, I I don't know how to phone it in because I'm there... I, I'm in the electricity of the moment every single night. And and that's how the show becomes rewarding to me. It's fun to go out there and just play. I'm still doing a play in the basement for my parents every night. You know? it, it, you, what, do you get nervous then? No. Are, have you ever? Yes. You must no, have had to work through it no at some one, point. No one had a deeper uh, problem with stage fright than I did. Really? And this was in my early years on, uh, on Broadway. But I... I talked myself out of it one night and I said, this is ridiculous that you're getting this level of anxiety over something you've chosen to do for the rest of your life. I said, you can't survive this way. You'll kill yourself. And so I decided that night that I was going to throw the performance away and just go out and have fun on stage. That was my one objective and I said, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to have fun. And sure enough. It was maybe one of the best performances I've ever given of that particular show that I was doing. And it opened up something inside of me. And I, and I realized something, that, that the fear that I was holding was actually inhibiting me as an artist. And once I realized that I had no reason to be fearful, it released me from that And gave me a a sense of just quiet. And something was... So so something could genuinely affect me on stage now because I'm absorbing it rather than having a preformed impression of what I should be doing and it was all locked up in here. You know, and it wasn't that I wasn't a decent actor. I was a decent actor, but I still had a stick up my ass. <laughs> and once I relaxed, uh, the, the stick fell out. And I started enjoying myself. And I started, and all of a sudden, the the possibility, you know, it it was the art of the infinite, again, the art of the infinite possibility out there on stage. So for me, everything was accessible.
0: Did that idea that one night sort of your... struggling, whatever, I don't know how long you had been doing it, but the stage fright gets to a point where you finally break and try to do it differently. Did that idea of going out there and playing, did that have an origin? Did that come from somewhere?
1: Me? Just, yeah. You know. It just said I can't do it. Well, I've got to think. Well, I mean, I'm always a great believer of, you know, if you want to change your, you know, you want to change your, change your feelings, change your thoughts. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know, the feelings follow the thoughts, so change your thoughts and you change your feelings. And I was feeling so I had, to, I had to develop a, a different mechanism to, to work. I and mean, it was the only thing that worked for me, was to just stop thinking that way and start trying another approach. And going out and having fun was my other approach. So, it, um, and it's given me a, t- a sense of trust, too. And I, you know, it, uh, as I say, that prayer that I say, God, let me be surprised. I say that before I go out to do Family Feud Before I, you know, anytime I walk on stage, before I did Dancing with the Stars, I just say, God, let me be surprised.
0: What is behind that, let me be surprised? Because when I look at the thing, one of the things that scares me the most, ironically, I travel a lot, is flying. And I've gotten better with it. Um, One of the things that helped me the most was I had a meditation teacher who I flew with once, and it was turbulent, and I said, dude, my fucking palms are sweating, and I'm terrified. Mm -hmm. I just keep seeing this plane. Going down. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Well, do you do you wanna know what'll help? And I was like, Yeah, and he's like, It's gonna be weird. And I was like, Yeah, just tell me, you know, and he's like, You're already dead. And as soon as he said it, I was like, Oh man, my like chest opened up and I was fine with it. Like I was like, Yeah, I'm I'm already dead. Like I'm gonna die. I might as well live like I'm gonna die. Mm-hmm. Um Is is there any of that in there?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The idea of, I, I guess it was like a giving up thing. I don't, and, it, and it comes to golf, too. I mean, why are Sunday scoring averages higher than Thursday? Because mm-hmm. people don't want mm-hmm.
1: yep. to die. Yep. You're trying to control, you're trying to grasp it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like let go, and you're freer. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've, I've learned, it, you know, the singing voice is a great example of that. The more you grip, the less you'll sing. You have, you know, by just letting the voice come out freely and learning how to support the mechanism and thinking of it as a kind of an expanding rubber band, um, you sing much better and much more freely. So.
0: I, I love the human voice and singing. Mm. Are you comfortable singing something from Chicago right now? Not this morning, no. <laughs> <laughs> how, many, uh, how many nights a week do you do the show? <clears throat> Eight
1: shows. Eight, Eight shows a week. Two on Friday, two <clears throat> on Saturday. We do uh, matinees and evenings on weekends. Right. So, Friday is... Uh, uh, tonight's Friday, so I'll have uh, I'll have a five-show weekend. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's it's a grind. And I also drive my voice... I mean, I drive the show heavily yeah. on my voice. So, uh, Sunday night, it's tired. I can't wait to see it. It's tired. But
0: it's- uh, do you have any questions <clears throat> for me? <clears throat> Usually, it's a no. no. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for your time. I'm really... Uh, Okay. I just so pleased that everyone had a chance to listen to you talk about some things that, obviously, you think are important. But I think they will too, and I think ultimately, mm-hmm. um, hopefully, help help whatever we're going through when mm-hmm. we when we listen to this. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you. My pleasure. Appreciate it. Have a good day, everybody.